There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce to you the man in the top 10% of the most sought-after economists in the universe, like ever, not just in Sector 7, but ever. John, it's all going on, man. It's all going There you are, Mark. Well, what can I say? What can I say? You're only beaten by the likes of Plato, who's number one. That was quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Quite good being in a list where Plato's number one. <laughs> It's really He's quite man. good. He's a man. And you know who's number two? Aristotle is mate. <laughs> well Colour- done, Mark. Yeah, it's mad, John. It was, a, it was a list that was put together by Harvard University this week. Came out of the blue. Somebody just emailed it to me. Yeah. And it was listing economists dead or alive. Okay. Wanted dead or alive. <laughs> this are most sought after. to be dead. Exactly. And it's a list of 2,000, you know, going back 2,000 years and... No, two, and there you are. Two, number 200 on the top 10%. There's top 10. I think that's amazing. But do you know what I thought? Because I, I was flicking through it as well. And I like the fact that people like Trichet, who you despise. Oh, is, I don't rate. He, or you don't rate. is <laughs> way down the list. I know. It's quite funny. It's quite fantastic. Funny. Well done, Mac. Well done. I just, that, that's, and and there's, uh, there's other people like Mervyn King you're ahead of. Stephanie Kelton. Listen, you know, John, I've got it all going. Are there any other Irish guys on it? Uh, no, there doesn't seem no, to be. No, I don't think, I think, there, I think there, there might be one or two, but they're Ooh. not in the 10%. It's the podcast, John. That's what's doing it all. It's the uh, that's, podcast. Well, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's you that's doing it all. Where am I on I the list? nobody, and then you came <laughs> How are you, Eddie? Well? I'm very good. I'm very good. I also see, Mac, that you're blocking up the Suez Canal with your uh, Vespa ah, stuck on Vespa, a boat somewhere. Vespa, no, no, the Vespa is on the island. Oh, it is? It's on the island, except... It needs to get papers. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know why this is, why would there be a backlog of stuff once it's post-Brexit? It's on the island, but apparently to get it registered. What's it, what's that place called? It's VRT and VRT, stuff. VRT, the one out in Tallinn. Yeah, yeah. But by next Wednesday. <laughs> next Wednesday, Spy Wednesday, Holy Thursday, maybe Good Friday. Excellent. For the long Mark weekend. Out of hell. For the long, <laughs> exactly. And we get it going, we get it going. So that's all good. The Suez thing is interesting. It is interesting. And I was thinking about this. Have you seen the size of it? It's absolutely enormous. But I was reading about it as well. There's something like in 
in the region of about eight to ten billion dollars being lost per day because there's more and more boats backing up on the Mediterranean end on the Arabian Gulf end like and, and you get the the satellite image of that and it's just hundreds yeah. of boats at this stage I mean the Suez Canal is the main artery from Asia to Europe yeah you know and if that is blocked the world ends up having a heart attack well the, well basically what happens is all trade stops for yeah. a period of time, there was a very interesting piece. I could claim it as my own, but it wasn't. A very interesting piece by, you know, your guy who wrote Sapiens, Yuval Harari? Oh, yes. Yeah, I read that. Last weekend in the Financial Times. And it was his take on COVID. And he was making the point, which was really well made. And I hadn't thought about it at all. That if we had had a plague 100 years ago, 200 years ago, what would have stopped would be global trade. Because the amount of people involved, he was making the point that the British Navy at the height of the British Empire mm. had something like 48,000 soldiers, so sailors in the Merchant Navy, like getting stuff around, right? right. He was saying that type of, you see that, that huge vessel, it can be captained and manned by about four people. Wow. So what he was saying was that what's extraordinary about COVID, the world has stopped at one level, but trade hasn't stopped at all. Yeah. In fact, the disruption to trade is minimal. Why? Because the human content and transporting goods, which would have been one of the biggest employers in the past of anything, has totally diminished. Yeah. And that got me thinking about what's going to happen when we have self-driving cars, which is going to happen. Mm. The amount of people employed in transporting on roads, goods from A to B, yeah. is about 16% in every Western economy. Is it? 16%, 16% of all people employed are employed in transport. Wow. Isn't that amazing? And if we have self-driving cars, which could be a reality in 10 years' time, you're going to have a similar sort of shift in the same way you've had in merchant navies. But it's amazing, though, because transport is probably the one area that has increased in employment in the last year due to... Everyone's shopping online yeah. and the bing bong yeah. on the door yeah, and yeah, Sasha yeah. going mad. Shop, and, yeah. you know, well, imagine that, kind of... imagine that with no people. But the other thing that struck me about the Suez Canal thing is that, remember we were talking before about the shortening of supply chains? Yes. And this is yet another argument for shortening yeah. the supply chains. Bringing manufacturing back home. That's yeah. the thing. It's also, if you're sitting in Beijing, and you are a supporter of Beijing, the Beijing, by the way. What was it, Beijing? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I got a phone call once from the... From Beijing? No, from the BBC World Service. Did you work in the BBC World Service? I did indeed. That's you know. extraordinary. But they have a pronunciation department. Of course they do. And they rang me once and saying, it's not Beijing, it's Beijing. Some Chinese dude or some Brit? No, just some guy saying, no, you, you know, this is the BBC my, way of saying it. My, my, and there's an official pronouncer in the BBC. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, I there is. And I, and, the, and I got wrong another time. I had to change a whole program I did because I called Putin, Putin. And a lot of people still do call him Putin. Putin. Then the Russian guy says to me, no, uh, Putin means the path of tin, whereas Putin is the name. It's true because put in Slavic is a road. Path, put. There you go. And in is a diminutive. Right. So because it's put kin. It means child of in old German. That's why so many Russian names have Kempkin, Putkin, tra la la. The mad stuff we come out. <laughs> Jesus, come on, let's get on with the podcast. Let's get on with the podcast. Let's talk about houses. Houses. Well, speaking of houses, do you know what? 
Last week's podcast on housing and particularly the supply of housing and all that kind of stuff hit a nerve. We had the biggest numbers of downloads. Yeah, it was yeah. huge. On, in, in the morning of Tuesday, I think there was 44,000 downloads just in the morning. Yeah. Which shows that people are hugely exercised because they are, because housing is one of the most important decisions you're ever going to take. If you have a house, you're secure. If you don't have a house, you feel slightly insecure yeah. all the time. And and people are talking about this constantly. So I think, actually, it, it, I meant to tell you that I was in the pharmacy picking up a prescription the other day. And uh, by the way, John or I are at that age that we need prescriptions for everything. Just to stay, just to stand <laughs> those up, boxes, just though. to stand up straight. <laughs> with, <laughs> with, when you're at the days of the week on them. Oh, you have to have that. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Oh, I'd be, I'd be completely, I'd be, I'd be popping two and then one and then whatever. But the the pharmacist Andrew, shout out to Andrew, uh, came out to me and said, uh, "Listen, heard the podcast, great stuff." My mother was listening to it down in Galway, and she rang me straight away to say. Don't buy a house. Whatever you do, David McWilliams says, don't buy a house. <laughs> well, you know what, Andrew's mother, we're going to continue on that vein in this podcast this week because I really believe that buying a house now would be, John, a crazy, crazy thing to do. What I've described is that I, the Irish housing market right now has hit peak dysfunction, right? You know, <laughs> you talk about dysfunction, right? Yeah. Peak dysfunction. Yeah. And the reason is the following, right? In the last quarter of 2020, the lowest level of supply of houses for sale since 2006. Right. So the supply has collapsed. In Dublin, supply of houses for sale is down 21%. In Connacht and Ulster, they're down 30%. There simply isn't any supply. Okay, now I'll give you this, right? Daft.ie said in December, there were just... 15,390 properties listed for sale on the whole of Daft and the whole of Ireland. That is one third down from the already low level of last year. And it's well below the average of 40,000 properties, which are normally listed annually over the past 13 years. Really? So there is no supply, right? So the way I look at it, John, is there is a supplier's strike. Yeah. Supply has gone on strike. This demands a response from buyers. And the only response that I can see that's logical, rational, and protects their income at this stage is to have a buyer strike to say, you know what? We're going to wait. We're going to stay out of this market. And I know this sounds because I would, usually you say, well, you know, when you wait for this political party to build more houses, these millennials have been waiting for years, John. Mm. They've been waiting for years. Well, I mean, to, you know, the usual thing of, of you know, new houses being built, they take years to come online anyway. A, they do that. So two things are going on. One, there's been a ban on viewings. So that means, we talked about this last week, that the second-hand market has dried up. That's the first thing. And also there's a ban on construction because of COVID. So the new market has dried up. Mm. And what that does, then that creates a massive panic, right? And this is the idea, right? So if you're looking for a house and if you think to yourself, I need to buy a house now. And supply contracts. So you have been betrayed by the supply curve. Yeah. Imagine the yeah. imagine that. So the question now is you're the demand curve, right? You're the demand. What do you do? And I think it's time now to withdraw demand. Say, you know what? We won't be mocked and blackguarded by this. 
We won't allow ourselves. The problem with is panic decision-making. So you look at anything you do in a panic is the wrong decision. Mm. The, the most important thing to do in a crisis is buy yourself some time. If you decide that you're going to panic, right, what actually happens is weird because we talk about this group psychology, that economics yeah. is in many ways determined by group psychology. What happens in a panic is your panic amplifies my panic. Mm. So we would think logically that if you panic, I would say, relax, chill out. Yeah. Actually, what happens in a housing market is you panic, you're on WhatsApp to your it's mate, contagious. you talk to your mate, they panic. Mm. Panicking is a one-way ticket to bad decision-making. And the problem is there's an entire generation, there's not and a generation. Generation doesn't capture the essence. We're talking of about six to 700,000 people. Okay, if you do the maths, right? Population Ireland grows about 60,000 a year, mm. right? So go back. There's maybe a decade of people between the age of, let's say, 27 and 37 looking yeah. for houses, 28, right? That's six to 700,000 people are affected by this. So everybody who panics is a loser. You're losing something, right? Yeah. The only winner in this is the supplier of bad quality secondhand houses. And we've got to keep reiterating that all the time to buyers, that the only winner in this situation is the person on the far side of the trade, not you. Now, there's a great Instagram page set up by a guy and his wife who are teachers who are exactly in this position, early 30s. Yeah. It's called Crazy House Prices. <laughs> right. Like, remember that super crazy <laughs> price? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his name is Kieran Mulqueen. Let's talk to Kieran. Kieran, how are you? I'm great, David, and it's great to be here. And thanks for having me on. Not at all, not at all. Now, tell me about the page. It's an Insta page, Crazy House Prices Ireland. Tell me all about it. Yeah, just crazy house prices. And actually, I'm glad you picked up on the on the crazy prices analogy. A lot of people, it went over a lot of people's heads. <laughs> but yeah, we I I started the page just myself and my wife have been on the house hunt, like thousands and thousands of others, and find it very difficult and finding the prices of houses, especially in Dublin, absolutely astronomical. So I suppose I started the page just to kind of take the piss out of it a little bit and uh, and have a laugh and maybe just it it just grew legs you know and it got big pretty quickly and it's a, it so, evolved into not just taking the piss but I'm, i suppose i'm putting up a lot of helpful stuff as well well what i want to say so yourself and your wife you're early 30s you're both teachers give me the story yeah early to i'm mid 30s she's early 30s we're both teachers primary school teachers and yeah we're, we're living at home we're living in her family home and just anything we're, we're kind of looking at or we're getting outbid on. Like the last house we were outbid on didn't even have central heating, had two fireplaces in the house and didn't have gas connection, nothing. So so, so uh, the quality is brutal out there. The quality is so, so bad. And I think that there's a chokehold on supply, as you know, from kind of the REITs and the foreign investment. And what we're being left with, especially since lockdown, is basically houses that people don't want anymore or are being forced to sell or a lot of unfortunately a lot of them are probates as well so they tend to require a massive amount of of renovation work and obviously with with building costs now being really really high probably the highest they've been in in a long time or ever uh that adds to it as well so everything is just totally inflated and uh unsustainable 
But I'm looking at the I'm looking at the page and you're comparing things. Tell me about like some of the properties here and what they're asking are really mental. Like I haven't been made aware of it until today. You know, for me it was conceptual because I'm older and, and we're past that stage, right? But give me like examples of just the madness that sparked you. Like, hold on a second, we can't be having this. Yeah, as well. The, I always go back to the to the first post on the page, which is the six foot wide house in uh, in Long Lane. What? So the house is six foot wide. It was up for two hundred and sixty five grand. Uh, you couldn't fit a bed in sideways. Jesus, and, where was this yeah. in Long Lane? In- Long Lane. It's in between Hatesbury and Clumbassel Street there, and. It's, I suppose maybe they were targeting at it, the kind of Airbnb type market. Like, I don't even know if a bank would lend on a house that small. It's all, I think there's a couple of stories as to how it got there. I think one of the stories is the builder, start one builder, they started one end of the road and the other end. And then when they came to meet in the middle, they were left at a little kind of laneway and they just stuck a roof on it. So that, that kind of kicked it all off with the madness and uh, it's kind of grown from there. Kieran, was there a um, state agent brochure on the, on the house? <laughs> I just saw the ad online. I don't know. Everything is online now. So I didn't go to a viewing or anything. I would like love that. to see that. Well appointed. Well appointed. <laughs> if, no, I can tell you it would be called a pied de terre bijou residence. You know, but but let's talk about the serious issue because I mean, what I've, what I've noticed here, if you're looking at prices and, you know, you've listed prices, they were X last year. They're mm-hmm. 50 grand more, 60, 70. If you're on a school teacher's salary, you can't follow this thing up. It's impossible. And my worry is and when when you speak to people, say, from a different generation, they're like, would you not just move out? And it's not a solution. If every if every if everyone moved out, who's who's going to run the city? Who's going to work in the supermarkets? Who's going to who's going to where the nurse is going to live, where a teacher is going to live? So it's not a solution. And as you said, like prices are just they're going up. Like I just saw one today. Someone sent someone sent me in one and it was a house in Kimmage, a three bed house in Kimmage was originally up at an asking price for 585,000. Went sale agreed at 610,000 without a, without an in-person viewing, all through virtual viewings. Went sale agreed at 610. The person went in to see the house, realized it's a lot smaller than the photos made it look because you know, the agents yeah. use the, the, the wide angle lenses. And so the house was put back on the market, but the house was put back on the market at 660 grand. So the estate agent threw 50 grand on top of an already bogus sale agreed price so now you're looking at the house is is uh, 75,000 over the initial asking price for absolutely no reason other than the mania that is going on at the moment and the panic that yes. people are are engaging in and it's it's just crazy and there's a there's give me a few give me a few other give examples. me a few other examples of this you know because on the ground because you you're feeling it because you this is your world give us a few more examples yeah, I get a lot sent in. It's just basically a lot of houses are falling through. The sale agreed is falling through because it doesn't, you can't, you wouldn't buy a couch without sitting on it. So people are buying houses. Without <laughs> are, are you saying you've got to go sale agreed before you see it? you got to go sale agreed before you see the house. Yeah. That's mental. It's crazy. And I think it's one of those moments where we look back at 2006 and 2007 and we look back at the madness of buying off plans and sleeping in your car to buy a house and going in and, and banks throwing you an extra, an extra 50 grand to buy a new car. And I think this is going to be one of those moments where we may look back on and think, what were people, what were we doing? Buying houses without seeing them. 
buying a house off a virtual viewing where you can't see the fuse board, you can't see the damp on the walls, you, you can't feel the, the creaks in the floor under your feet, you can't see the subsidence, all of these things that you need to be looking out for. But the amazing thing is, Kieran, you're talking about subsidence, damp, right? When you're looking for a house, you should not be on the lookout. This is what I come back to. It's the issue of quality. I think, by the way, you are right. This is, you know, the Joe Kennedy had his shoeshine boy moment that the day he got out of the stock market before the 29 crash was the day the shoeshine boy gave him tips, right? He said, okay, hold on, that's mental. I think if it is now the case in Ireland that your generation has been forced to go sale agreed, which means you have to have the money before you see the asset, it's over. I think you're right. I think this is a this is a pivotal moment. Give me more examples of this because I again I mean this is extraordinary stuff. Yeah, this I suppose I I tend to put a lot up on my stories on my Instagram page and it's there's actually so many it's it's even hard to keep track of now but I'm getting stories in of people who've maybe gone sale agreed in September, October, November last year. And they're texting me on Instagram going, they've just listened to your latest podcast and they're thinking, should I, should I pull out of this? And I'm like, first of all, you wouldn't, don't be coming to someone on, on Instagram for financial advice, but like they're, they're saying, well, you, you can get that in the pub. That's where most people get their financial advice. Yeah. I wouldn't do that if I was you. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I remember, I remember years ago explaining, people said to me, you know, you know, back in 2008, and why did you think the uh, the market was overvalued all the time? And I was, was actually going to weddings, right, of my generation, right? And fellas who wouldn't know, you know, properly developed from a kick in the head, would be in the jacks with you after raking points in, I'm after buying two gaffs off plants. And I remember going, oh no, oh no. And I said, where, where are they? And they'd be parts of the town you wouldn't know. Or parts of the town are, are the, gaff, the, the gaff in Bulgaria which I actually did a show on. I did a whole TV show on it. But let's come back to your generation. Yet again, and this is, this is the very serious point, yet again, this society is unable to or unwilling to actually produce the houses necessary for hundreds of thousands now of people. The way I feel about it is I can equate it to kind of, I, I get so many messages in it and, and I like I'm obviously I'm in the trenches with people and I think they relate to that because I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm I'm the same as them, a first time buyer and trying to buy. And it feels like we're in the trenches and the government are supposed to be maybe defending the trench and and throwing grenades. And these grenades are their help to buy their shared equity schemes. That's their grenades, but they're not throwing them hard enough. And these grenades are landing in the trenches and they're blowing up on top of us. And that's how it feels like we're not any of the, the policies that they're bringing in are, are all demand side policies. Yes. Demand is there. We need some supply side policies like they've done in Canada where they're re- removing the tax exemptions for REITs, where they're implementing an empty home tax for foreign and corporate residential investments. That's what we need, not, not more demand side schemes. Yeah, and it's funny because Canada itself is only beginning to start these things, but we, we know, the story from Canada is as bad as Ireland, except at least the Canadians are beginning to think, hold on a second, let's go supply side. In terms of the growth of the page, the Instagram page, because this gives me a sense of how many people are out there. You started with a couple of hundred, and what's the story now? Started with a couple of hundred. I'm at about 27,000 now. About 66% are women, 34% men. Uh, around 85% of my followers are all aged between the age of 25 and 44. And of those looking to buy, 
86% of them are first time buyers and 89% of those are looking for houses under 500 grand, which are few and far between in Dublin, especially if you're looking at new builds and like the quality of obviously the quality of, of the old houses are, are, are dire, but new builds, obviously you buy a new build, but like I had a look for new builds within five kilometers of where we are in Portobello and the cheapest one was 950,000. It's bogged, but I was even just thinking 500 grand is 11 times the average salary, yeah. not three, not four. So people are saying, I want to buy somewhere which is 11 times the average salary, and yet you cannot find anything. And they still can't. And generations before may, may, may have bought one or two times off a single income. And you know, why, 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 why didn't you just step out of the market now? I mean, I'm really serious. That, like, just, just yeah. say, do you know what? This is this is not for me. We can't afford this. This is the only way in which we can exercise our financial sovereignty is to say, nah, we'll stay where we are if we can for another two or three years. I think you're spot on. And that is actually, I think that's what we are going to do now for a while. We'll keep an eye. I obviously keep an eye on everything, but I just, I, there's no value there. The quality of the housing is very, really poor. The cost of renovations are mental. And I think for people that are able to take a step back, and I know it's not going to be possible for everybody. Some people, are, they have no other option. They have to buy a house or they have to buy a home. Uh, they maybe need to right size or whatever. But for those that maybe can sit put and, and stay for a little while, I think it's, yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. And I think that's what we're going to do. And I have gotten a lot of messages over the last uh, few days since your last podcast with people saying the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm just looking at it from an economist perspective, that in every trade, there's two sides. There's a seller and a buyer. And if the seller is bullshitting the buyer, the buyer has a choice to be bullshitted or to step out. And we know that house supply is going to increase once, once construction comes back. We know that once viewing comes back, secondhand houses supply is going to increase. So you'd be absolutely bonkers to buy at this stage. But what I want to ask you is about the personal anxiety of you and your missus and, you know, all your generation who are going through this. Because again, my generation isn't talking about this because it's the la- it's your generation's issue. Or we're not talking about it hugely. What's it like? And like just mental health and anxiety and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it is. It's really tough. And you delay a lot of life plans. And I think that's something people forget about a lot. I Like I'm 34 now. When my dad was 34, I, I was his last child. I was the last of four. I was the baby. Yeah. He'd already had four kids. He went in to get a vasectomy. And the doctor was like, are you sure? And he said, I have four already. I'm good. So people forget a lot of that. You know, it's the, your life plans do get delayed because maybe people are stuck in small apartments and, and they don't want to start a family or or whatever, just being able to actually go through those developmental stages of life. Everything's getting pushed on a little bit. And it's it's down to just not being able to find a suitable home. Kieran, we will leave it there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk it the, the so the Insta page, okay. If you haven't seen it, it's Crazy House Prices Ireland. It is well worth a look. Kieran, listen, thanks very much. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Cheers, Kieran. Take care, Kieran. Bye. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Jesus, some of those stories are just... They're mad. They're just... It's unbelievable. It's almost like a joke. But this is a profound, profound failure of economic policy. We have to keep reiterating this. This is an abdication of responsibility on the part of the state to make ready land for building only, to build, to accelerate. And if the state is not helping these people, if the state is actively acting against them, because if you look, John, if you look at every single state initiative, it's all, every single one, first-time buyers, equity to buy, 30-year mortgages, tracker mortgages, all these things that were anointed by the state, they're all designed to keep house prices high. Yeah, as Kieran was saying, it's it's all demand side. They're all demand side. Interventions. The, dem- the demand is already work. The demand is already there. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the supply Looking is the problem. Itself. So you're thinking to yourself, normally in a normal country, what you would do is say, okay, I'm in this age bracket. What I really want to do is I want to buy a home or live somewhere, or I would love to rent if I could actually get, you know, the three Fs from the land league. Do you remember them, John? Free sale, fair rent. Fixity of tenure, the three Fs, that was the base. Michael David Parnell. Yeah. And yeah. you know also, and this is what this is all what people want. They don't want anything else, right? Do you know who's another great character in the Land League story? Go on. Captain Boycott. Captain Boycott was the agent of the Lord of Mayo. Yeah. The Earl of Mayo was one of the biggest landowners in Ireland, right? And what happened in those days? Amazingly, 10,000 people owned 98% of the land of this country, which is 0.2% of the population. And 40 large families owned half of it. Right. That's how mental it was yeah, in yeah, the late yeah, yeah. 19th century. And of course, these were absentee fellas. They were over yeah, London. Doing yeah. So yeah. they used to employ agents to collect the rent. And Captain Boycott was the agent in Mayo. And of course, he was such a, a horrendous character, right? Mm. That the... Parnell decided that you should shun him. Parnell said, shun him in the shops, shun him in the parks, shun him was a famous speech, right? And what the local population did is they just opted out. They just said, we're not going to work for you. We're going to withdraw our labor from you, right? Right. So we're going to be back to boycott in a second because I think the only thing that can actually jolt the housing market, which is driven by supply and the construction industry and the land lobbies, et cetera, is a boycott on the part of the millennials to say, you know what, we're just going to step out. Okay, so if that is the case, and if that happens, this buyer's strike, as you call it, 
how does that work? How, how would, what would that look well, like? So what, what happens now? So what we've said is we're, we're faced with a supply strike. Mm. Now, the only way not to panic, the only way not to actually pay well over the odds, the only way to avoid, remember Kieran was saying, you know, going looking at houses that are in probate, that have no gas, they have no electricity. Mm-hmm, yeah. you're, you know, you're basically being bullshitted by the market. You have a choice if you can, right? Rents are falling in Dublin, for example. Mm. So you're much better off. If you think of a 20 or 30 year mortgage, right? It's a huge commitment. You're much better off stepping out of the market now, renting as rents are falling. So you're going to get yeah. better value rents and waiting for a couple of years until two things happen. One is the supply comes back on board. So people who wanted to trade up or wanted to sell their second house or all that sort of stuff, they will come back into the market. They can't do it now because what they're saying is due to COVID, we will not get a proper price on our place. We Mm. want as many people as possible to see our place. So they're actually not putting supply on the the market. Second thing is as the construction industry kicks in, there's a huge amount in the pipeline. So the question is, why don't you just wait and all those are completed. Now, the question then is, how do you do it? Well, my sense is you simply step out because what is happening in Ireland, this idea of rents or this idea of house prices going through is not just in Ireland. It's everywhere, by the way. I mean, JM's Canadian. It's happening in Canada as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. What you're seeing right now is headlines across the country in various cities where people are bidding multiple hundreds of dollars over asking price and losing the cottage industry, which is all the kind of away from city homes, has doubled in prices in Quebec. It's we're definitely being affected. Mm. So this is this is happening everywhere, John. And again, if you if you look if you look at the dynamic of what is happening, the dynamic is that all these millennials, good jobs, well educated, are entitled to believe that they have a, a good future. Because they've kind of done everything yeah, right, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. And they are being choked by a market that is actually mocking them. And of course, the estate agents, as we heard, are taking them in. They're like lambs to the slaughter and saying, oh, that was sale agreed at 600. Put it back on the market at 650. Why? Because they know there's already three or four people in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, I believe, is pretty despicable behavior. So what do you say then to the people who would say that rent is dead money. It's not half as dead as overpaying for a house. This country experienced negative equity in the last 15 years. There is nobody who got into negative equity that would have said, you know what, had I rented for another two years and maybe lost two or three grand, I would have been in a worse position than I am now with a 500 grand mortgage on a house that's worth 250 quid. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you've got to see it in the totality. And of course, the dead money This is expressions driven by the renting industry, what I would call the finance property complex. You don't hear Germans talking about dead money. Germans just rent. And accommodation is a cost of life. It's like electricity. It's a cost, right? You don't hear Germans saying, oh, that's dead money. It's only dead money if you bias your entire property industry to the interests of property owners and banks and financial players and what I would call Eisenhower the great General Eisenhower, then President Dwight Eisenhower, warned the Americans in the 1950s of something he called the military-industrial complex, which was 
the military and arms makers and, and all that sort of stuff, right, which were getting so close to government that they were actually beginning to take over parts of government. Mm. And this was a silent takeover of policy, right? And again, think about Eisenhower was a general. He had every interest. Yeah, yeah. He had every, his bias would have been to support the military, but he said, no, no, that's for a democracy, that's wrong. The Americans are the military-industrial complex. We have what I would call the financial property complex. It's the nexus <laughs> of the property market and the finance industry. We talked about it before, the yeah. fire industry, right? Yeah. All our policies are dictated by them. And it even seeps into our vernacular, such as dead money. And we don't think about why this is the case. But can you imagine the volcanic eruption, which would be the millennials saying, see this game? It's rigged and we're not playing. We're just going to step out for two or three years and we're going to rent and we're going to see what happens. A, a friend of mine, a friend of ours, who works in that whole game and the mortgage side of things, was saying that they're actually taking on lots of people at the moment. Because they are, because the people, the poor people are panicking, right? So, of course, you panic, you get this. Remember what I said before, when you panic, you bring forward demand, right? So you respond yeah. to yeah. high prices with a fear that prices will go yet higher. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a FOMO moment. It's fear of missing out. Even though you don't want this particular house, you think, I need to get something, right? So, of course, this is happy days for estate agents. Salespeople in a normal market are fine, but in a panicked market, and I'm talking about, it's not like you're buying a laptop. You're buying a life decision. Yeah. You're buying- The biggest thing you'll ever exactly. buy. And for our state to say, well, you know, it's problems coming around, we'll do it. So roll it back then, think, right? In every transaction, there's a buyer and a seller. Mm. Because the buyers are never, ever unified, so it's hundreds of thousands of different people, they don't speak with one voice. But the sellers are incredibly well organized. There's the, you know, all these guys talk to each other. There's all these little guilds of estate agents. Yep. They all talk. One, they're talking to each other all the time, even though estate agents, I'm not saying the estate agents are the only problem, but they're what they would call client facing. They're what you see, right? Yeah. So they've got one view. The seller has one view. The buyers have disparate views. So the fear is always, it's like in boycott as a landlord. If you deal with every tenant in the old days, yeah. you can pick them all off because individually they're all insecure. If the tenants get together, like the Land League, and they say, aha, we're going to withdraw our labor at one time, suddenly you change the dynamic, right? If the millennial buyers could get organized to speak with one voice, they'd say, you see this 11 times my income? I'm not having it. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, the market has to adjust on the other side, and it would be transformative mm. if something like this could happen. And I think the only way in which, you know, we've been through this before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have been through this. This country has been through a property crash. We have seen what happens to families. We've seen what happens to divorce rates. We've seen what happens to alcoholism, mental health, when people are in negative equity. It's a total and utter disaster. And... What it does is it reinforces the idea that you're helpless. Whereas if you're facing 11 times your income, step away. You know, the interesting thing about panic, John, it's a bit like COVID, right? Yeah. It's a disease. So the disease passes from the sick person to the susceptible person. And the more susceptible people there are out there, the quicker the disease passes. And that's why you get these peaks, right? Sure. So 
social distancing is put in to stop it. Panic is also a disease of the mind. It's a fear of the future, finance. So wouldn't it be fascinating if the millennials got together and created a movement that said, we're not buying. They could have maybe a little, like the way, you know, the masks suggest that you're a certain type of person. Like you're, you're, you know, COVID compliant. Yeah, yeah. You could be demand compliant and you could actually change the whole thing. When I look at those little ribbons. Yeah, maybe a little red ribbon. Yeah. Red ribbon, you know, a fawnia. But what you're basically saying is we are not part of this carry-on. Now, if you imagine it, think about economics is all about the marginal. You know, the most important thing in economics is marginal. It's the extra. What happens in the extra? That's what drives everything, right? So if you think that, you know, the marginal revolution, marginal cost, marginal revenue, these are the critical things in economics, right? Which is the extra revenue you get from selling an extra product. So the marginal is the thing that makes the difference in economics, right? So the marginal buyer in this is the same thing. In February alone, close to 1 billion new mortgages were approved by the Irish banking system. 1 billion euros. In February? In February alone, right? Wow. So it's 1 billion. Imagine those guys said, you know what? We're going to wait. The impact on price would be automatic. Prices would start falling straight away. All those people who are blackguarding the young people to try to sell them terrible properties, yeah. they would change their mind straight away. Yeah. Suddenly the estate agents wouldn't be putting up prices, they'd be putting down prices. And then what happens is the buyers will see that their strike is working, they'll hold off yet further. And what you would find is that the marginal cost of housing would fall dramatically and quickly. And this is the solution because the solution to an orchestrated supplier strike is an orchestrated buyer strike. And when I look at the generation that's caught, they can't wait for other people to act on their behalf because that has failed in the past. They've got to act now themselves. Now, why I have you there again. Why not use the time when you're locked up to learn economics? Join me on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash David McWilliams. Let's learn economics together. We have the economics course. Macroeconomics has never been as essential to understand. We have the Ask Mac tutorials every other week. We have Q&A. We've got the reading list. And more importantly, you become part of the community. If you have a question, if you have something that's going on, you want to ask me, join me on Patreon email in. I will answer your question. But more importantly, it's ad-free. Just you and me and your man across the way. Hey. Patreon.com forward slash Dave McWilliams and let's figure out the world together. Hey.